This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Good morning, everybody. That's good to have good PA. So if... Yeah, there's a few more at the back over this side. It's good to see it full. So um, I'll just give some brief introductions to who we are and also what we're going to be doing over the, the next three days because I, I appreciate you won't all necessarily be sticking to this for, for the three days. So I thought it would be helpful to say roughly what we're doing day one, day two, day three. Um, so Helen, if you'd like to come up. So this is my lovely wife, Helen. So we're in the church in Bolton. And uh, most people don't tend to know where Bolton is, so we just say near Manchester. That's, that's the easiest thing, thing to do. But we're definitely not Manchester. So we've been there for some time. And uh, thank you, Helen. Um, and uh, we've got Joseph and Lillian and Wheeler here, if you'd like to, to stand. So over from Zambia, and uh, we've, we've become very good friends with them and their family and their churches over about 15 years or so. And part of the, the, our own story and testimony uh, is, is very much down to how the Lord has used them and, and their own experience to, to help us and, and, and teach us. Now, uh, from tomorrow, we'll also have Ginny Bergen, who many of you would know uh, from City Church Sheffield. Uh, and so what we'll be doing over the three days, different combinations of us will be doing different things. Uh, so on this first day is really an, an introduction. So to help us to give a, have a clearer understanding of what spiritual warfare is and hopefully to get better at recognizing it. So it is going on, but uh, it's helping us to understand how to recognize uh, things individually uh, and corporately, and, and to better know how to deal with, with those things. Tomorrow, we're more going into our authority in Jesus, uh, the authority with which we can operate. And so connected with that is the subject of what, what the Bible calls strongholds. So uh, the enemy is strong, but Jesus is stronger. And it's so how that authority can demolish that. And then on the third day, uh, it's, it's more walking in personal freedom and extending the, the kingdom of God. So uh, even though we're going to be saying, come on, we need to be, have our eyes open to spiritual realities, that never, ever takes away our responsibility. And, and it's sort of how to live the Christian life, taking responsibility with that in mind. Uh, and, and also, although we'll be touching on the corporate thing day one and day two, it's not just about me and my walk with God, but particularly on the third day, we'll, we'll be focusing more on, on like wider kingdom issues, uh, perhaps things how might uh, affect a group we're leading or a, a church we're in, something like that. So uh, let me pray briefly, and then I'm going to hand over to Lillian. Uh, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Lord, you tell us we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. Lord, we want to have that awareness. We want to have that understanding. Um, but more than anything else, Lord God, we want to see you, who you are. Uh, you are the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God. And Lord, you have created us like you. And you want us uh, to, to live, to pray, to operate, Lord God, with uh, all the resources that you make available to us, Lord God. 
And uh, Lord, we pray uh, protection from the enemy as we're talking about this subject that he will not like us talking about. Uh, We pray more than that, Holy Spirit, uh, that you would help us, uh, that you will enlighten us. You would empower us today and the next couple of days. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's welcome Lillian as she she talks to us first of all. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I hope you've had a good um, time already with the worship this morning. And, uh, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm sure most of us have had good breakfast. I come from Africa, you see, so um, good breakfast is not something we do every day. So <laughs> I'm happy I had a good breakfast. <laughs> okay, so as, um, as we talk this morning and the next uh, couple of days, um, we're going to be a bit African when it's an African speaking. So I'll be asking you a lot of times to turn to your neighbor. So turn to your neighbor. And just say, neighbor, you're looking good. (laughs) Okay. Wow, that's wonderful. That's nice. That's how we like it in Africa. A bit more noisy than that. Oh, thank you. Wow. Nice puppet in England. (laughs) Okay. So, um... As I was praying for this uh, opportunity to come and speak to the people of God here, um, I really felt God taking me to Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. So that's where we're starting from this morning. Um, I'll ask Rob to really keep me on time. Because in Africa, when we are doing spiritual warfare, we, we... We really just um, do away with time. (laughs) But this is England. Everyone has a watch. (laughs) Okay, so Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. And the Bible says in NIV, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. And the word that came out to me is the word prisoners. Jesus said he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And... um, we read loads of other scriptures that talk about a situation of a prison in the Psalms 64, verse 5. We read about um, David saying uh, they encourage each other in evil plans. They talk about hiding their snares. They say who will see it. And Psalms 141, verse 9. David again is praying and saying, keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. So um, there, there are prisons out there. And when I'm talking about them, we're not talking about the physical ones. Jesus did not come to set the prisoners from physical prisons, from physical jails. But he came to set the captives free from spiritual 
prisons. So there are some spiritual prisons out there. And I believe that Jesus wants us to deal with some of them. And these prisons are there in families. They are there in the cities. They are there in churches. And they are also there in individual lives. Now, um, I also looked up something in the dictionary, apparently. <laughs> and I was like, what does, pri what does prison mean? And so from an English dictionary, it describes a prison as a place of confinement, especially of long-term confinement for those convicted with serious crimes or otherwise considered undesirable by the government. Now, we all know that there is a God who, who rules on the earth. And if we go back to scripture, we see how in um, Revelation, the, uh, the enemy was cast down together with, with his angels. And he's here on earth doing evil things, especially to those who hold on to the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the enemy has set up prisons that Jesus came to come and set prisoners who the enemy has set prisons free. So um, we could look at various situations like in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 13. I don't know how you pronounce that one. In, in Zambia, we just say Eze 13. <laughs> 13 from verse 17 to 21. There's a prophetic word there where God is saying, Now, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own imagination. So there are lots of people out there who are prisons of some false prophetic words over them. And the word of God goes on to say, Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, War to the women who saw magic charms on all their wrists and make veils of various lengths for their heads in order to ensnare people. Will you ensnare the lives of my people but preserve your own? You have profaned me among my people for a few handfuls of barley and scraps of bread. By lying to my people who listen to lies, you have killed those who should not have died and have spared those who should not live. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against your magic charms for which you ensnare people like birds and I will tear them from your arms. I will set free the people that you ensnare like birds. So God is interested in all of us being set free from every trap that the enemy has put in our lives. One of the traps we can see here in this scripture is the trap made by women. I'm sorry to say this, but yeah, women can be so powerful sometimes and they do set up traps. We, we know how some men of God in the Bible lost their destiny and lost their power because of women. So there's a, there's a prison of lust, of adultery, and all those other loads of sexual sins. In this passage of scripture also, as it talks about being ensnared by these women, 
it also talks about uh, God saying, I will come and remove the veil from your, from, from your, from, from your head. A veil signifies a lot of things, and one of them is that when somebody is veiled in the spirit, it means they can't understand spiritual principles. They can't tell what is wrong and what is right. There is what, is, what we call a mind blindness. We can see that also from Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. So there are also some people who are in prison, and they do not know it. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed so much that the eyes of our understanding be opened. Ephesians 1 verse 18. So people can be in prison and they don't know it. I always visit our prisons in, um, in, in Zambia, Kitwe. Every year we go there and uh, we take our, uh, some goodies to them. And um, one of the things I find very disheartening is finding some moms with their little ones in prison. Now, in Zambia, of course, the social welfare department is there, but it's not well-funded, so they can't sometimes look after children in that way. So there are children in prison, and that gives me a picture that even for some of us who are, who are Christians and um, we are big people, and every, sometimes you may not know that you're actually in prison, because of your mom or your dad. Now, examples of uh, some of these prisons, I'm, I'm running this morning because I've got robe in front of me. <laughs> examples of these prisons could be depression. And I know in this country, there are lots of people suffering from depression. Now, I know that um, there are loads of antidepressants which people take, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel that um, there could be a release from depression as well by the power in the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus did actually deal with every manner of sickness and disease on the cross. And as a child of God, you can come out of that prison of depression in Jesus' name. Um, as uh, In the word of God, again, we... Read the scripture, which, which is in Romans chapter 14, 17 to 18. It says, the, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Joy is so much important to somebody. Amen. I'm African. Amen. <laughs> that is good. And of course, even when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, one of, one of them is the joy. And the Bible does also say that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So be free from the prison of depression in Jesus' name. And of course, the other examples could be anger. You know, in James chapter 1, the Bible says that um, be quick to, somebody help me this morning, you be quick to, listen, quick to, <laughs> okay, but be slow to anger, because the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. Anger 
is, can be a prison. And I know many of us Christians, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, know these things, but we can't just deal with anger. Maybe it's a spiritual problem this morning and you can consider yourself being in that prison and the Lord could set you free. The third one are fears. You know, um, the Bible tells us again that the spirit of God does not give us fear. Amen. But, you know, like Joshua was told, be bold, be strong for the Lord your God is with you. But many times, many Christians suffer a lot from loads of fear. They, they have a lot of fear for the future. What will happen to me when I get my pension? What will happen to me? Maybe my husband divorces me. What will happen? They are always just so full of fear. May God deliver you this morning in Jesus' name. And of course, um, there could be other things as well, like uh, uh, witchcraft spells, satanic spells, um, Freemasonry, um, you know, like Freemasonry, it runs in families, it curses families and, and people that follow afterwards. Generational curses coming through with that. Of course, sicknesses and disease. Um, we deal a lot with this in Africa. I don't know about here, but in Africa, we deal a lot about sicknesses and diseases. And one day, when Joseph and I discovered that there is, the, the, you can just say no to sicknesses and disease, especially over the young children, God taught us a principle of taking authority over your house. And so we went to the gate, and he'll be talking about strongholds on Sunday and stuff like that. But we went to the gate and declared that our house is not a prison of sicknesses and disease. And I, I want to thank God that we carry a testimony that from the time this came as a revelation to us in 1999 to today, we've never seen our children being hospitalized. And we do give God the glory. Because in Africa, children are sick every other day and they are dying from all sorts of things. So we thank God for that. Yeah, and of course, this also low self-image or esteem. There could also be uh, cultural bondages and children's problems. The list can go on and on. Then, of course, depending on the type of prison guards, they differ, don't they? You know, and when we are talking about um, the, the prison guards here, we're talking about the spiritual forces. We're talking about the demons. You won't see a guard physically, but the, enem the enemy does make sure there are these forces that are following you everywhere. And depending on how much the enemy wants you to be imprisoned, he will make sure these prison guards are carrying different armory. And um, in the spirit realm of the enemy, there's, um, it is like hierarchical. And that's why in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So depending on where you are, Depending on how much the enemy wants to take hold of you, he will use different guards. And uh, for leaders and, and those of us who are running churches, sometimes you can even have a lot more you are fighting against than just one guard.
Now, of course, we all know what a prison is like. It's a place uh, which keeps you in the same place for a long time. At least in, in, in our country, when somebody's in prison, they, they don't imprison them for a week. At least they go two years, three years, four years. I don't know about here. So it is a place that will keep you in the same position for a long time. It restricts you. That means that, you know, you, you are failing to do what you should be doing. And um, uh, there's a scripture in Galatians which, which really blessed me uh, this morning as I was reading it. It's Galatians 5 verse uh, 7. It's saying, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? So the enemy will come in to keep you from running a good race. And of course, after some time in the prison, if you stay some time in the prison, you begin to make yourself accept the wrong as your status quo. I know of some people who have accepted that it is God's will that I should be in this terrible situation and I continue like this. But I feel uh, the Lord wants something better for you this day. And being in prison changes your image, you know. And um, uh, for, for those of us who, 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 who have to get visas to come here, once you are in prison, it's very, very difficult to... To get one. And it's the same in the spirit. You know when the enemy has imprisoned you. There are just some things that you find yourself failing to do. And because you stay so much uh, for a long time in the prison. It makes people forget about you. I know some people who have been in prison for 20 years and 30 years. And in the first year. They had people, relatives, friends visiting them. But as the years keep going, their friends forget them. It's the same thing in the, in, in the spiritual prison. Sometimes, you know, like um, when you have been imprisoned by the enemy, he begins to make sure that people who are supposed to be helping you, see, people are supposed to be divinely connecting with you so that you can go to your next level, suddenly just begin to forget you. Uh, we usually have this um, joke in Zambia that, you know, the enemy will make people who have promised to give you money just forget the time they get their money. And they just remember when they've spent all their money. May that not be your story. Be released from that prison in Jesus' name. And then, of course, tomorrow I'll be talking more about um, basics of deliverance and how we go about from there. But for today, just think about your life. Think about your family. And just admit that maybe there's a prison where the enemy has put you. And the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cause that prison war to break and you can be free in Jesus' name. Thank you. Good. Thank you, Lillian. So the sort of thing that Lillian is saying there, you see, like you will, we will all have heard of fear and depression, etc., and so what we're, what we're trying to help us to see is that while in some situations, uh, it, it, you know, there are pure circumstances 
but we, in our, in our rational thinking, can tend to rationalize things away. And, and so it's just wanting to open up our, our thinking, open up our hearts to possibilities. And, and actually, in that sense, to line ourselves up more uh, thoroughly uh, with the biblical perspective. So let, let me just read out the verse again, which I know will be very familiar, I'm sure, to everybody here from Ephesians 6. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. What is it against? It's against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So we, we don't get preoccupied with this stuff. We get preoccupied with Jesus. But we've got to see it's not the, the Christian life is like a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. And, and so whatever your, your battleground is, uh, you know, we've got to see that what is confronting us is not necessarily the thing or the person that we see with our physical eyes in front of us. So it might be personal holiness that you're talking about. You know, we all need to grow to be more like Jesus. Maybe the certain things that we're stuck in. We, we've been in that prison that Lillian talked about for many years. We're not making progress. Maybe uh, it's growing our churches. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why it's a struggle to grow a church. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've had many struggles in, in our church at Bolton. Maybe there's some spiritual dimension to that battle. Maybe it's reaching out to your, our communities. Why, why are we not seeing the breakthroughs that we would hope for and in some ways expect? Maybe there's some spiritual dimension that we haven't yet recognized. So the flesh and the blood are just the visible part of that battle. And so if we, if we want to know victory, whether it's a personal thing, whether it's a corporate thing uh, in our church, whether it's, it's a reaching out thing, uh, victory is ultimately won or lost if we base ourselves on Ephesians 6 as we learn to recognize and confront the spiritual authorities that are behind the person who at that point is standing in front of me. So if we don't wise up to what the Bible very clearly teaches, that the, these powers are set against our progress. You know, you, you, have pre, you have forces set against you being more holy. You have forces set against your church growing. And if we don't recognize those things, we are severely handicapping ourselves, not making use of, of the weapons that God has called us. But on the contrary, uh, we want to help us uh, to grow in our understanding and wisdom as we get on with what God has called us to do, seeking his kingdom. So let me just look at a few things uh, that the, the Gospels and, and other books mention about the presence and the activity of the enemy. And, and let's just be examining our mindset, our perspective. Are we seeing things that are happening, again, whether it's our individual selves, whether it's our families, whether our churches? Are we, uh, are we asking the right questions? Are we seeing things in this way? For a start, in John 14, 30, Jesus says, Satan is the prince of this world. Now, a prince is someone with authority. Uh, in, and so in Satan's case, an authority that needs to be battled against, an authority that needs to be destroyed. Jesus recognized that. Jesus recognized all was not, as it were, plain sailing. He, we, we see, we read about how he had to battle with that enemy. 
And if we look through the Gospels, and we look at all the various things that Jesus did and that Jesus encountered in his ministry, actually a significant proportion of of what has been recorded for us is either very explicitly a spiritual encounter, encounter, for example, uh, you know, somebody who's delivered from demons, or it's a, a physical healing, which includes a reference to a spiritual dimension. So don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that all physical healing has a spiritual root. But when we read the Gospels, there are many times when physical healing is explicitly linked to some sort of spiritual dimension. And many of you would know uh, Dave Felliam, uh, who's here on this weekend. He's uh, in one of the other life zones. And uh, he, he's taught a lot and had an awful lot of experience on this subject. And uh, according to his research, he would say that a third of Jesus' recorded ministry was in the area of deliverance. A third of his recorded ministry was dealing with spiritual powers. Okay, so we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to do the works that Jesus did and more so. And so if, we're, if we've not got that awareness, and if these things are, are not coming up in some way, shape, or form from time to time, if not more frequently, I think we're missing something. We're missing some things that that are going on here. What does it say in uh, Acts 10, verse 38? It's a a commentary, if you like, on the whole of Jesus' ministry. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And that links in very much with that verse that, that Lily said at the beginning, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power. And he went around doing good and healing. That's the bit that we like. That's the bit that we can get our heads around. But it doesn't stop there. And it says, doing good in healing all who are under the power of the devil. Now, that can mean quite a few different things. But here is a very clear statement. that the, The freedom that Jesus brought is the setting free from what the enemy had done. That is a statement of a summary of Jesus' ministry. And that should be a statement of my ministry and your ministry as we walk in the authority that Jesus has has given us. We go and do good. We go and heal people. We set people free from the works of the enemy. Let me give you one example of this. So Luke chapter 13, uh, verses 10 to 17 Uh, it's talking about the um, the lady uh, who was healed from an issue of blood. And Jesus' comment on it was this. She has been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. We we, we can miss some of these things. We we read it, we're familiar with it. 18 long years, like Lillian said, sometimes people are in prison for a long time and you get used to it and you think, well, that's just my lot in life. Uh, You know, this this is your new norm. And it shouldn't be. And, and, but Jesus said, in this case, it's the spirit that has caused this, that she needed setting free from. And it's very interesting how he describes this person. She is a daughter of Abraham. That is a, a phrase packed full of meeting. Uh, sorry, full of meaning, full of meaning. 
So we are sons and daughters of Abraham. Right? We, we love that in terms of the claiming the promises. Oh, yes, you know, the, the promises of, of Abraham to be blessed and to be a blessing. We grab hold of that and we should get hold of that. We should know who we are. The Bible many times talks about us, ladies included, being sons of Abraham. Sons being those who carried the inheritance, which applies to each one of us. So here is a person, basically Jesus is saying, who's a believer. Here is somebody who's got faith. Here is somebody after the line of Abraham. Now, part of the reason I'm mentioning that is because I think people sometimes, Christians sometimes misunderstand what we're talking about, where we're, we're talking about being afflicted by spiritual powers or demonic forces in some way. We have these images of films that have come out over the years of people being possessed and you know, that is not the theology, that is not the picture that the Bible gives us. There are many degrees of being affected by or oppressed by demonic forces. And my firm belief and our personal experience is if you're a Christian and if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can still be affected by the enemy because he still hates you and he still wants to stop you. Are you yet perfect? No, you're not. And it's in those areas of imperfection that the enemy comes in. And so here is a believer. Here is a daughter of Abraham. He goes on to say, whom Satan has kept bound. And, and you know, for, for many years, my, my sad story is that I, I just missed all these things. And, uh, you know, I was applying things logically, scripturally, yes, but missed a whole dimension. Going back to that first verse from Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, I believe what this is, it, the sort of thing it's saying here is that our adversary comes often disguised as flesh and blood. Does the enemy pop out and say, ta-da, here I am. This is what I'm doing in your church. No, he does not. He comes as that awkward, undermining, difficult person. And many other things. He comes disguised with things that we're used to seeing. And, and, and so we can, uh, we can be restricted in our understanding and therefore in our prayers and our responses to it. We're thinking, oh yeah, here's this person in front of me. Here's a rational explanation. And, and we're saying that's not the way that the Bible looks at things. So we need to ask the questions when we come up against things. Is there a reason why I or this person is stuck in this situation? Is there a reason why these things keep attacking us? Is Is there a reason why I'm getting depressed or whatever it might be? Is there a reason why there are things happening in my family? We're going to hear some testimony about that in a minute. The answer may be there's a dimension that you hadn't considered. And we need to pray, as it's been said, have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. And, you know, don't think, I, I keep emphasizing this, this is not just about me in my walk with God. In our, in our Western thinking, um, we're very, very individualistic. It is about me and my walk with God. It is about you. But we are part of a body. We are part of a family. There's so much in the Bible. Which is about, you know, the God of Isaac and Abraham and, uh, and Jacob, except I've got that in the wrong order. Uh, but you know what I mean. And, uh, and, you know, again, we'll gladly take the, the, the benefits of being in Christ. Oh, great, I'm in Christ. Do any of us really quite get our heads around that fully? No, but I, that's okay. I'm in Christ. Well, but that means in the same way that the devil who will counterfeit things 
will try and, and, and work in us as a unit, as a family unit, or as a church. So, for example, Matthew 13, 58. Jesus was only able to do a few miracles in Nazareth. I, I wouldn't mind that in some way, actually, if that was said about me. Rob could only do a few miracles. You know, we're all growing that. But, but you know, there's an important point that's being, being made there. There was something about the corporate dynamics in that town. Dynamics, probably, you know, of unbelief. But this is Jesus. You know, we know who Jesus is. And he talks about being, as a prophet uh, not being honored, didn't he, in their, in their, in their own place. There was something uh, about a corporate mindset which was ungodly and which was preventing the kingdom moving forward. So, uh, you know, in, I'm sure in many of our churches, in all our churches, we're, we're seeking to establish a positive kingdom culture. Well, if we're going to establish something positive, negative things have got to be kicked out. And the devil loves to keep us corporately with certain mindsets that either are against his kingdom or uh, holding back the advance of his kingdom. So here's what I'm saying, whether we're talking about corporately or individually. Satan will squat where he's allowed to squat. I use that word very specifically. A squatter doesn't have authority, but they're still there. And if, if we don't recognize that the enemy is squatting around in our thought patterns or in our relationships or whatever it might be, he'll just sit there and, and get his sticky fingers in things and, and cause trouble. We need to discern his presence and his activity. And we need then to take steps uh, to, to evict him from that. I think we also need to be aware, and in this, without the slightest bit being scaremongering, Satan sometimes just sits, because if he's got things trapped nicely, like, like this in his prison time, where he'll want to keep things there. But he is doing more than that. He wants to exploit weaknesses. So if you think about John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, Jesus said, have come to have life life to the full, you know, that is a description, yes, of what people do, but ultimately Satan is the thief, and that is primarily, I believe, who Jesus is referring to there. The thief does not have legal authority, like the squatter, and he actually knows he doesn't have legal authority. That's why thieves often operate in the dark at night. They want to remain hidden, because they know they shouldn't be where they are. They shouldn't be what they're doing, but they still do it. So imagine this picture, which occasionally happens along our road in Bolton. Nighttime, somebody's coming along trying car doors to see if any of them are open. That is exactly what the enemy will do. He wants to see if you, in your individual or family or church life, have left a window open or a door open. Ah, here's an invitation for me to come in and cause trouble. Here's that thief who is on the front foot, an opportunistic thief looking to steal things, you know, if it's from this car, literally, in real life, uh, valuables, or even the car itself. That's just what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal what is ours, but which he wants possession of. And so we must say again, are we keeping the doors and windows of our lives locked? So, are we 
beginning to move away from a solely rational explanation. Are we trying to perceive things from a biblical perspective? We need uh, constantly to pray for wisdom and revelation that we might discern the, the true nature of each situation that presents us. Each one will be different according to who it is and what the circumstances are. And likewise, the enemy is not daft. He will use different tactics according to different situations. So our experience in Zambia, and it's probably like, like this in many other nations of the world, the enemy's tactics in that sort of environment is often a full-on frontal assault. Here is the enemy. You, you know, the first time I went out to Zambia, I, I, was, I was quite shocked really going along um, like a, in a sort of suburban sort of area um, where there's a few sort of huts of, you know, here's somebody cutting your hair, here's somebody doing this, or oh, here's the witch doctor. You know, here's the witch doctor's shop. It's very obvious. It's very obvious there, there, there are curses. There's worship of ancestral spirits. Uh, the enemy's tactic there is not to hide. It's just to punch you in the face and knock you out. But the enemy is clever. And he has learned to adapt according to where he is. And more frequently, not exclusively, but more frequently in our Western sort of context, he exercises snake-like subtlety and slyness. His best defense is not being seen, not being taken seriously, or even not being believed in. Um, now, about a couple of years ago, we were having a week of prayer and fasting in our church. And in one of these meetings, I, I felt the Lord give me this really vivid picture. And uh, it was something for that moment, for that particular prayer meeting. But I, I felt God was also giving this to me as an illustration of how we need to approach this whole subject. So what I saw was a, a beautiful scene in a park. So up until a week or so ago, when we had this fantastic weather, uh, you know, everybody, people were lounging around, children were playing, sunning themselves, one or two people were, uh, were, were paddling in the lake, that sort of thing, people, families were having picnics, oh, it was lovely, it was very, very relaxed and everything. And, and in this vision, um, rather bizarrely, I, I saw myself standing up and, and pointing and commanding and saying words to the effect of this. Satan, be revealed. Satan, come out of hiding. Reveal yourself. I command you in Jesus' name. And, and in this lovely, beautiful English picture, from behind these nice, often you know, middle-class, respectable people, out appeared shadowy, dark figures. And, and you know, I felt God was, was saying, look, this represents the, uh, what I'm often doing in people's lives in, in different ways. There are things at work which, if you only see with your natural eyes, you will completely miss. And, of course, God wants things to be revealed so that we can then deal with them. Now, um, I shared this picture, and um, I have to say to my surprise and slight shock, uh, one, of the, one of the good Christian ladies in our church immediately fell to the floor um, in a coughing fit, which we immediately recognized was something demonic. Um, and uh, I, actually, I don't think most people in the room knew what it was. I thought, oh, she's got a bad cough, <laughs> which is illustrative of uh, our, our dullness of thinking. 
Uh, you know, the people in that group at that stage were quite unaware of that spiritual dimension, but because of our personal experience um, and, you know, also the gift of discernment, which Jesus wants us to grow in, we, we realized immediately there's something here. And actually, it was easy to deal with it. Uh, it didn't ruin the prayer meeting. Uh, we, 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 by that point, learned how to pray with authority. And uh, I can't remember specifically what it was, but we, we, we rebuked it in Jesus' name. And very quickly, the lady calmed down. And, uh, and in that particular way, was set free. Praise God. But I, I frequently learned now to pray in that way. You know, there's something puzzling me as a leader. Why is, why is this not happening in the church or something? Lord, is there something hidden that I'm not aware of? Uh, you know, whatever that might be. And, and I'll pray, be revealed. In, in Jesus' name, we command you to be revealed. Sometimes something has happened very quickly. Sometimes it's been over a period of weeks. It's become apparent that, that um, you, you know, even, if, even without something explicitly demonic, it's become apparent, for example, that you know, somebody in a relationship is doing something uh, that they shouldn't be doing, that is having an effect on the church. Uh, be revealed. God wants the works of the enemy to be revealed so that they are, are destroyed. So let me just um, finish with another couple examples. And then um, I'm going to uh, ask Helen to share some of her, her personal testimony. So an example of a, a corporate thing that we've come across in, in the last few years. Uh, there was a, a church which I and, and sometimes Helen was uh, traveling to. And what the, the Lord helped us to see, and this, this process of revelation, you know, it took, it took a few months to work this out, of praying and talking to them about, about things that they've done and not done, so we, we don't throw our brains away. But what had happened is that some years earlier, the, the eldership in this church had not discerned that in this particular person that they put into a very influential leadership role, there was actually a very rebellious and usurping attitude. You see, they were a very gifted person, this person made a, a leader. Um, they, were, um, they were very capable. They were like a larger-than-life character. They knew how to impress. And, and sadly, and we could all fall for the same thing, they hadn't discerned the character. They hadn't discerned the heart. And so they'd, as it were, left a gate open for a, a wrong attitude, a wrong spirit to, to come in into a very influential person, an influential role in that church. And, and over the years, guess what? Many people in that church started to demonstrate the same spirit. They started to be rebellious. They started to act independently. They started to question and to accuse and to undermine the leadership. I mean, think shocking things were said in public. Uh, in, a, in a church, and and they found by uh, you know the Lord varying, revealing in various ways that they'd left this gate wide open, and the thief said, "Oh, great! Here I come, and I'll bring my friends with me." And and the solution for that was to repent, a corporate repentance. Uh, it was a praying with authority. And then actually also, of course, the nitty-gritty of dealing with the flesh and blood in front of you as well. You still have to speak to those people. You still have to make those difficult decisions. You still have to do those right things, but you're doing it from a position of authority. And then one more, just to say uh, with our family, and this leads into what Helen's got to saying. In the last few years, we have had to persistently 
pray and uh, rebuke the enemy's work in the lives of our children. We've got two children who are in their 20s now. Um, Both of them uh, got saved at quite an early age. Both of them have walked well with God. Both of them are baptized in the Holy Spirit at an early age. They've got a great pedigree of going to Stonely Bible Week and New Day and everything possible like that. They've, they've been good Christians with good heart, and we absolutely praise God for that. But I tell you, despite all of the things they did right, God is, is uh, revealed to us that through um, parents and grandparents uh, of, of our, ourselves, there was a, an influence of Freemasonry, and uh, it, it was just a, a sinister thing. Uh, and our, our, our children were, uh, it particularly affected our daughter. Um, she was just trapped in many ways. And, and, you know, things began to happen. We thought, what, why is this happening? You know, how is this happening to her? What's, what's gone wrong? And, and all our, you know, you start to question all the things you've done. Or did we parent well? And, no, we were very imperfect parents, but... But we, we began to reveal, no, there were things actually outside of us. In this case, not our fault at all. But because of the way uh, God views us corporately as people, um, gates had been opened in times past that we now needed to shut. And, uh, and I encourage you, you know, don't explain away things that might happen in your families. And, and whatever the reason for somebody... Uh, or a, a church being afflicted by some sort of spiritual forces. You, you know, what is our heart? We don't point the finger to judge and condemn. Oh, you must, you, you must be really bad Christian if you're affected by the enemy. No, no. The enemy is against us, all of us, how, whoever we, we are. So uh, over to you, Helen. Um, I apologize for Helen's voice. She's, she's normally got a lovely voice, but it's recovering from a virus. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, so uh, my name is Helen. I'm married to Rob. um, We've been married 30 years. Uh, We've got two young, uh, two young, they were young, uh, two kids in their 20s, um, as Robert said. And um, yeah, so Rob and I didn't come from uh, Christian homes. Um, Many people in our church find that surprising. If you're a church leader, surely... (laughs) <laughs> you grew up in a Christian home? No, no, we didn't. And so, uh, it, it, yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, what happened to me growing up and so on. No, I don't want you to feel sorry for me if I describe something not so nice. It's not about that. Just I want to tell you a story to help you understand, to give some examples maybe uh, that will put a cont- context around what Lillian and Rob have been sharing something very practical. I just pray that the Holy Spirit might speak to you as I'm speaking. There may be some things that you'll be able to relate to and you'll think, ah, maybe that's what's happening to me. So, uh, yeah, me. So, um, I grew up in a very wealthy home, so I'm quite posh. Um, Come on, I am. Um, But I live in Bolton. (laughs) The Lord definitely has a sense of humor. Uh, it's very different to where, where I grew up. So I've lived in Bolton 24 years. Um, I was an only child, and no one in my family believed in God. Nobody went to church or anything like that. 
I had a very unhappy childhood. I don't really have uh, many memories of my childhood. And the things that I can remember aren't really very, very happy uh, memories. My parents uh, were very money-centered. Everything was about getting money. Um, I grew up feeling very isolated. Obviously, I was an only child. Um, and I didn't feel very loved. Um, my parents didn't love one another. And so the atmosphere at home, there was a lot of shouting. They weren't getting on. My dad had uh, affairs, so he would leave home sometimes uh, for a little while. And um, as uh, can be common in this situation, particularly when you're posh, um, how you cope with that kind of thing is you just pretend everything is okay. So uh, everything looked very nice. We looked the model family. But if you came in our front door, you'd find things to be really different. So uh, when I was born, my mum uh, was very modern. Uh, in, in those days, she went back to work very, very quickly. Um, but uh, in those days, the, the, uh, we didn't have many uh, childcare provisions. We didn't live near family. Uh, so uh, if I got sick, uh, I was left at home on my own from, from a very, very young age. So uh, I would probably be about... I was definitely under eight, so between sort of six and seven. I can remember being left at home on my own if I got sick. Um, I would just be made a sandwich. It would come to my room, and I was just told, don't leave your room. And my mum and dad went off to work. So that's not particularly healthy uh, when you're very small. And, uh, so th and this became a reality in some of the school holidays as well. So I, I, I spent an awful, many, many hours on my own as a small child, which, which wasn't good for me. Uh, I went to a private school. Um, I hated it. I didn't make friends easily. So I, again, I was, it compounded my feeling of being alone. Um, it, it, was, it became a reality in my life, really. Um, I felt a lot of pressure. To do well at school, uh, I had to get very good grades, or so I felt, uh, because I, I wanted to please my parents. I thought if I, try, if I could do well at school, then my parents would be proud of me. And my mum uh, was quite critical, so I didn't seem to be doing so well at pleasing. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was tough. And I, when, when I was 12, I was very, very down. Uh, and... Um, I, I can. I have one memory I have of uh, sitting in our in our garden, uh, um, in my in, in the family home, and just saying, you know, God, if you're there, please show yourself. Or I'm going to kill myself by the time I'm 20. Uh, now that was a wrong thing to say, but it was just really demonstrated that I felt really, really low, and I didn't see any point to life, and uh, yeah, so that was that. Um, but you know. God is so merciful that I really, I know that that was a, a turning point. Now, it didn't mean that everything got okay, but I just, I know, looking back now in my life, that, that God heard that cry, even though it didn't come from a nice Christian, <laughs> it, it, but it was a cry from the heart, and that's the goodness of God. He hears our heart cry, and um, uh, I mean, things, if anything, got slightly worse at home, in the sense that my dad, uh, he was more and more unfaithful. And my mum, she developed an addiction to spending on credit cards. So the house was filling up with all sorts of stuff. You know how that works, where you 
There's shoes and clothes and handbags and things that no one needs, which is very, very sad. And she, was very, she herself was very depressed. And um, uh, in my late teens, she tried to take her life several times. So she was um, really suffering herself. Um, the good news, here we are, we've got some good news. Um, when I was 17, I had a really annoying school friend uh, who was a Christian uh, who just seemed to target me. <laughs> Um, she just, I think she must have known I, I had uh, love for lonely <laughs> on my head and she would just follow me around and um, she kept inviting me to church and I kept really swearing at her and telling her to go away and leave me alone and uh, this. And, but I had a plan that if I went to church then maybe she'd stop pursuing me and I'd just make her happy and then she'd leave me alone. But uh, God had other plans and I went to church and I heard the gospel I had an incredible experience of the love of God and gave my life to Jesus just straight away. I thought, what is this love? <laughs> you know, so, uh, <clears throat> so that was just for me the best moment. And uh, so as you can imagine, everything was different. Um, and I want to describe this carefully because I think it, it will help some people here. Everything was different, but there were, but there was a part of me on the inside that still had a lot of problems. And you can imagine, I, 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 um, I, I felt very rejected and um, I carried a lot of shame. If you don't feel very loved, um, you, you feel ashamed. It seems silly, doesn't it? But you just think, what's wrong with me? You know, everybody else in the world's very lovable. I'm not. Uh, and you feel a sense of shame. Um, and I, I kind of, yeah, I just, I blame myself, really. I thought, well, there's something wrong with me. And I'd become a Christian, but I, you know, this was still going on. Um, I think, um, to explain that a little bit, um, I think that the enemy had, had kind of rushed. You see, the enemy doesn't wait for nice things to happen. When, when bad things are happening, when you are experiencing trauma, and I know there'll be people here who've been through so much worse, but when, when you're going through trauma... It's a door that the enemy can rush in and uh, start squatting in areas of, particularly in your emotions. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like he had taken advantage of the opportunities that my parents' weaknesses and frailties uh, had, had, had um, uh, given the enemy. And so fear and rejection had really taken hold of me. And... Uh, because I was a Christian in wonderful churches, many people uh, prayed for healing, uh, emotional healing, and all that is really good. I am, please hear me that I'm not knocking that. I, it was really amazing. I was so blessed. I felt like God changed me. God touched me and healed me. Uh, I, I forgave my parents. You know, I, I really, you know, I know that they were just weak human beings. They were suffering themselves. But, you know, the reality was that I was still stuck with things, you know. Uh, I was still stuck. Um, as uh, Lillian was mentioning earlier, I had a lot of fear. And I felt very guilty. I was a, a Christian. I should know better. I kept trying very hard to deal with the fear in my life. Um, and I did all the things you should do. Um, all the best advice that you would give. All the wonderful pastoral advice. Uh, but you know what? It would only work for a while. And, and then the fear would overcome me again. 
I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of going insane. I was afraid of having a breakdown. I was really afraid of being alone. Um, I felt I lived under some kind of cloud, and I, I kind of felt quite detached from reality. It was a weird feeling. Um, and as a Christian, I felt like I took two steps forward, and then, then I seemed to slip back again. I really felt like I really wanted to go forward as a Christian, but there always seemed to be something just kind of just pulling. It's really embarrassing when you're married to a church leader. Can you imagine? <laughs> Um, so, okay, so let's, uh, let's fast forward to, um, let's come a little more up to date to um, uh, 2015. I was, uh, we were in Zambia on one of our annual visits to Zambia. And uh, I had a, uh, a breakthrough that I really wasn't expecting. <laughs> really, I wasn't, you know. I'd learned to live with the, all of this. I'd, I, you know, you've learned coping, coping strategies and so on. Um, but we were going through a very hard time. My, my father had just passed away, and our daughter Ruth uh, had been struggling to speak. She, she uh, was beginning to find it really hard to get her words out. It was a really strange thing, and uh, it was a big worry. You know, what's happening to her? Um, well, we're in Zambia. We got this. Um, she messaged us and said that she had had a really bleak diagnosis you know there was a it was a serious condition that she had and there wasn't really uh, any treatment for it now you can imagine she was just about to turn 21 or she just turned 21 at that point that's pretty devastating and obviously as parents we were devastated and we weren't there to be with her we were hundreds and hundreds of miles away and yeah I was crying and Joseph and Lillian said right we must pray come and pray and uh, we were praying for Ruth. And then suddenly I felt really, really strange. Just weird. And I just thought, oh, what's happening to me? This is weird. I, oh. um, I'm trying to describe something to you here. Uh, it's hard to describe. Uh, and and, and uh, I think it was Joseph said, what's happening to you, Helen? Are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. I feel really weird. And so they started praying for me. And um, Lillian started praying against the spirit of an old woman. I didn't know whether to feel slightly insulted. Um, uh, I'm just trying to lighten it a bit because this is a serious point. But, yeah. So, um, and uh, I, immediately my grandmother came to my mind. My grandmother on my mother's side, she was quite a, a difficult woman, um, and a very challenging person. And actually, I was set free from something at that moment. Um, you know, uh, you know, it was very easy. It wasn't, it wasn't scary for me. It was just quite straightforward. But I was set free. That weird feeling left. And I thought, oh, what just happened? You know, here I am. I'm a, I'm a Brit. What just happened? Uh, and... Uh, so Lillian explained uh, a little bit to me because I didn't know what had happened. And uh, she said that actually before we had arrived in Zambia on this trip, she'd had a dream of an elderly uh, white woman who was uh, very wicked, who was abusing her in a dream. And um, she knew that it was some sort of something demonic, and so she had rebuked it in the dream. And she knew it was to do with us because we were just about to arrive 
and uh, there, weren't, there weren't any white people in the church. So it's a bit of a clue, isn't it? Um, <laughs> here we are. And, of course, she didn't, you know, like to raise that. She didn't know what to do with it because, obviously, you can't bring up with these Brits over a cup of tea. Oh, do you have a wicked grandmother? <laughs> um, she's, you know, she can't do that, can you? So, <clears throat> but actually, yeah, I, I did have one, I think. And uh, I needed setting free. There was something happening. I began, it, it opened our eyes. There was something in our family. You know, there was, why would, we're praying for Ruth, who's really sick in the UK. Why would God set me free? And there's something about my grandmother. You know, so here we have some clues here. Um, obviously, we, we, we needed to really pray some more. We went back to the UK and uh, for, 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 for Rob and I and our family, we began to pray like we'd never prayed before. God, just break in. I knew that I needed setting free from more stuff. More stuff began to kind of bubble up. Um, and I received f- uh, further deliverance. Uh, we prayed with Ruth. I mean, she's got her own testimony. She is an amazing young woman. Um, and I began to feel more and more free. I think in my personality, um, there was, um, in the summer uh, of 2015, we had an amazing prayer time, Lillian and I, and after that, I felt so different and so free and so full of joy, and uh, during the autumn, I kept saying to Rob, is it normal to feel like this? Because, and this is almost a serious point here, I actually almost didn't know who I was anymore. And that's why I think sometimes God has to set you free bit by bit. Because if he did it all at once, we'd just be confused, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. So um, also just a, a wonderful little, am I doing okay for time? A little addition, uh, which is a small thing, but it means a lot to me actually. Uh, at the beginning of 2016, I began to feel that God wanted to heal me physically, I'd had this thing for about 10 years previously where I couldn't eat wheat. I'd get um, quite strong reactions if I ate wheat. I'd I'd got quite thin and become quite sickly. Um, And I began to feel in some way it was connected with all of this stuff. I didn't know how. So I just began to present for healing prayer because I never, I always thought, because in this country it's quite easy to deal with in one sense, you just cut it out of your diet and eat awful, horrible, gluten-free bread. Um, you can do that. So you can accommodate. But I just felt I didn't want to accommodate this anymore, that God wanted to heal me. And so I would go for prayer. I wouldn't say anything. I'd just go for prayer. I'd just let people pray for me. And over the, I believe God was doing something. I just sensed it. Even Rob felt it one time. When I was being prayed for, he had his hand on my stomach. And, 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 and he said it was like, you're not pregnant, are you? I felt something move. <laughs> uh, you know. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, um, and after about a period of six months, because I decided that I would just try and introduce wheat into my diet, so I was eating more and more of it, and uh, I'm absolutely fine now. And last night I had lasagna and garlic bread, <laughs> which, if you're gluten-free, is a nightmare, but for me it was lovely, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so we really thank God for that healing. Uh, we we've, we've, we felt like uh, when we were praying that my dad probably had some involvement in Freemasonry. It's something we've prayed into. And we could tell by the kind of reactions around that that was, we kind of hit something there. So we prayed into that. 
And I, just to update you on Ruth, Ruth is doing amazingly. Uh, we really thank God. Uh, God has worked in her personality as well. She's really come out of herself. When she, when she was in her teens, it felt like we kind of lost her in terms of her personality. Um, but it's so amazing. She's just so bright now, so bright and so shining for God. And her voice is coming through so well. So ironic, isn't it, that? I just, anyway, uh, her voice is doing so well. It's not 100%. If, if she's in a noisy environment and she's trying to project, she's still struggling. But on a one-to-one, she's doing really, really well. So we just thank God and we just keep praying. You know, you can pray for us. We still, I still believe God wants to do more. And uh, we'll just keep seeking him. Thank you so much. Um, I want very quickly to mention some books, and then we've got a short time to pray. Now, uh, this first one I saw in the, the video that was shown in the main meeting about, about the hub. So I'm hoping that all three of these, and ones that Ginny's recommending as well, will be in there. So the Biblical Guidebook to Deliverance by Randy Clark. I'll, I'll leave these at the front if anybody wants to, to take a look at them. Um, some of you might have, have read this because this came out uh, a little while ago by uh, Dave Devonish, who until recently uh, was, was heading up Catalyst. Demolishing Strongholds, uh, a very good sort of perspective uh, on, on uh, the various contexts in which the, the enemy might try and afflict us. And then, if you like, on a more positive note, um, learning to pray differently, not, not, oh, Lord, please, if it's okay, could you possibly, if it's not putting you out too much, do this, rather than that's a in Jesus' name, we're going for this. So, Authority in Prayer by Dutch Sheets. Isn't that a great name, Dutch Sheets? Has to be a good book. <laughs> um, that, that is a really, really good book. It's really changed the way I pray and, and um, I think the way our church is prayed in, in many ways. Now, we've just got a, a short bit of time. We're, we're, the way we want to, to handle this in this context is we're going to pray corporately uh, from the front for us. Um, we don't really feel it's the right context or opportunity for in-depth personal prayer. If, if today or the next couple of days there's anything that you, you feel you've got questions of, questions for, or you think, oh yeah, I need some prayer, we'd primarily encourage you to go back to your church and, and, and your, your, your church leaders, people that can be, be trusted there. We, we need this perspective, we need this understanding to be disseminated around churches. It is not about experts. This is about all of us learning who we are and what we, we have in, in Christ. So um, we may well overrun a little bit with the, with the time. Um, so if you need to go, then do feel free to go. But uh, if, you, if we're still praying and you want to linger for a little bit longer, that's, that's fine. So would you all like to stand, please? And um, I, I'm just going to pray along the lines of that, that vision that, that I, I had, commanding the works of the enemy to be revealed and um, then I'm going to ask Joseph uh, and or Lillian, um, who are very good at discerning what the Lord might, might be doing. There's streets ahead of us, I tell you. We've got big L plates on. I'm just going to ask them to then take over. So let's, let's just be still just for a moment. Let's just give our hearts to God. Oh God, I thank you that your word is truth. And revelation, the truth that sets us free, the revelation uh, that shows us what you want us to be in you, Lord God. And uh, Lord, we, you, you, your word says we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. 
but Lord, we do have to confess, sometimes we are veiled, Lord. Sometimes our, our seeing, our perceiving is not what it should be. But I thank you, Jesus, that we have all authority in you. You, Jesus, your words are, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. And we believe that, Lord God. We are in Christ. We submit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. And therefore, in consequence of that, Lord God, we resist the enemy. And uh, I command that the, any works of the enemy in our lives, our marriages, our families, our churches, our communities around us. Any way the enemy has been skulking and hiding and, and uh, usurping, uh, we command that to be revealed in Jesus' name. We command his works to, uh, to be exposed to the light, not for your condemnation of us, Lord God. Yes, you're, but your setting free of us. That we might grow, that we might be all that you want us to be, that we might be more fully in the likeness of Christ. We command that darkness to be exposed. We shine your light upon our lives and our situations, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we command you now, any spiritual forces that are afflicting people in their emotions, in their family, in their circumstances, we command you now, we remind you, Satan, you have no authority that Jesus has overcome everything. He's defeated the principalities and powers. And we command that, Lord, even today for some people, or Lord, as they approach things over the coming days and weeks, that suddenly your Holy Spirit would say, that is what you need to be giving attention to. That is what you need to be praying for. We command that in Jesus' name. And as you're, as you're praying, don't worry about if you feel anything or you don't feel anything. But uh, just let the Lord do whatever he might want to do. Lord, Holy Spirit, we just release you to touch people. We release you to speak to people. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, be working, be revealing, be doing what you want to do, Lord. I feel that the Lord might be highlighting that, uh, um, that, that some of us who might have been struggling with things, uh, like Lillian started off talking about things like depression or anxiety, and, and uh, you, you know, you've been feeling bad about that because you feel, I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't be in this situation. I, I know what the truth is, and I've been a Christian a while, and, and the enemy is keeping you trapped, not just by uh, keeping these things hidden, but by but keeping you trapped in condemnation. And Lord, I want to speak a word of freedom and release to those people. Oh, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven. We are accepted. We are beloved in him. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, we lift off any, any lid here of condemnation that you might be free to do what you want to do, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One of the ways we have learned of spiritual warfare is the power of confession. So I'm just going to lead us in a short prayer where we'll just uh, pray together uh, with our mouth. So just raise your hand and say, in the name of Jesus, I am a child of God. I am a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. 
Jesus has bought me with his blood from my tribe and language, and I am now in his kingdom. I am now a child of God. Right now, I claim my promises on the cross of, of Calvary. Jesus paid for my sin. Jesus did away with my curses. Jesus did away with sicknesses and disease. Jesus did away with every manner of oppression. And he is my Lord. This day, I renounce the works of the enemy, the devil, the works of darkness, wherever they have come in, in my life, maybe through family lineage or, fa or life experiences, today I stand in the power that Jesus has given me to trample upon scorpions and snakes, and I renounce every prison of depression, of anger, of fears, of any sicknesses and disease, or any situation. Today I declare freedom in the name of Jesus. I want you now to just pray for a specific thing that you may identify with. Just pray that the Spirit of God will, first of all, make you understand and discern what it is. And also that the enemy shall leave you and be defeated in your life in Jesus' name. Just pray in that 30 seconds. Just pray for yourself. Just pray for yourself. Just pray for yourself. Yes, dear Lord, we claim our victory, our freedom in Christ. By the blood of Jesus, we defeat the works of Satan in our lives. We defeat the works of Satan in our families, in our churches. We declare by faith that indeed we are more than conquerors in Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. We thank you, Jesus. As we conclude, we just want to say thank you to all of you and also to Rob, Helen, and Lily. And let's appreciate them again for sharing. But I just felt we just pray for the last thing before we release everybody. And that is, this is a spiritual warfare. So even you coming into this room is part of the battle for some of you. So that the enemy may want you just tell you, this is it. Don't come. Just, just forget it. Some of you, even as we've been ministering, there's something, there's some witnesses, there's stuff happening. Some of it could be physical. Some of it could be emotional. Where you just feel something needs to break here. Could I hear an amen if that's? All right. So we are a team. We are a family. Please hang on in there, in here. So we're just going to pray a prayer to say, uh, this is a spiritual warfare. We press in. Amen. So tomorrow, come in. 
uh, because we won't just go a little bit deeper into that. But I just felt we pray for protection. Can we do that? Raise your hand. Let's just pray for protection. Um, um, I just feel even now, as, as, as uh, Helen shared so powerfully, I've heard this testimony again and again. Every time there's such an anointing, I felt the enemy did not want you to share because somebody has been released even just by listening to that testimony. Just say a short prayer for Helen right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, your protection and complete release from anything that may want to stand in the way of this powerful ministry given to her to minister for the release of others. And in the same manner, there are many of you are in this room, not because of you, but because of many people you represent. Many people out there are going through oppression, and it's going to use you to see them released. You may be that, what did Helen call that? That awkward friend? You may be that friend that just may look like you are on a mission. Uh, others may call you weird or, or difficult, but you mean to represent Jesus for their release. Father, we pray right now for protection over each and every person in this room um, and for families they represent. That because of what they are engaged in right now, there may be counterattacks from the enemy. We say in the name of Jesus, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you said you're building the church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we declare over our lives, over our churches, over our families, that the gates of hell shall not prevail in the name of Jesus. We stand in authority and call it done. Let's give a big clap offering to Jesus. It is well. Thank you for coming. Okay, so uh, we can hang around a little bit if, if people just want to ask some particular questions. Uh, but uh, have a good day and um, won't be offended if you go to another one tomorrow, but we'd nice, like to see you again tomorrow. Bye now.